Rab, we just thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your great kindness. Holy Spirit, we thank you and we welcome you into our lives and into this place, into our heart. Speak to us. You are the great teacher. And we can't understand the things of the Spirit without you. So speak to us tonight and give us understanding by your grace and by your great kindness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I started uh, a series last uh, Wednesday night, and I want to continue with with it uh, tonight and going back uh, to what we started with so those who were not here can... uh, catch up with us, but I have come up with seven biblical principles for success, seven biblical principles for success, and I use seven because preachers like to use seven so that they can appear smart, (laughs) you said that three or seven or something, Uh, so I have seven, but I'm sure there there are more that you can find in scripture, but I think every one of these is so important. It's one thing to hear the word of God and say, that was a good sermon. I'm not for good sermons anymore. I mean, that was when I was a child. You know, when we were children, we behaved like children. You know what I mean? But now we are, we are adults. We just don't go for good sermons. We go for something that we can use in our life. Something that can change my situation. I don't want to hear a good sermon just a good, for a good sermon's sake. And feel good. I was good. I enjoyed it. What did pastor talk about? I don't remember, but it was good. <laughs> Whatever it was, was good. That's not what, what, how, we, how we must live. Man is not supposed to live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out from the mouth of God. And if you don't remember the word that you're eating, it's like eating a meal for lunch, and I ask you, what did you have for lunch? I don't remember, but it was good. <laughs> that's not, that's not going to work. He said that you ate something crappy, and you don't want me to know. <laughs> or something is really wrong, if you can remember. So we want to understand what God is saying. So seven biblical principles. I believe the very first one is principles is find in your life. Search for wisdom and understanding. Search for wisdom and understanding. No one is born with this kind of wisdom and understanding. God himself says to search for it. We're not born with it. No man is born with this kind of wisdom. In Proverbs 3 verse 13, it says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom. So if you, find we, if you are to find wisdom, that means you don't have it. You have to look for it. And if the scripture is talking about it, that means no man is born with it. You have to search for this. You have to search for it. And there are Christians, they've been Christians for a long time. They haven't even thought about searching for wisdom. They don't even know what it means to search for wisdom. What is that? How how do you know when you find it? But God says, happy is the man who finds wisdom. And the man who gains understanding. Now, when you have wisdom, when you find wisdom, guess what? You will gain understanding. 
And you can read further in that scripture. There's so much that, that having wisdom, finding wisdom will deliver to your life. He'll teach you how to live. Sometimes he won't agree with what people are doing and what people are saying, but he'll keep you safe and in peace. And you will always have your needs met. That's the key, because God cannot lie. So that's why the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the principal thing, and you must get understanding. With all you're getting, make sure you get understanding. Don't live this life without finding wisdom or gaining understanding. You wasted your life. God wants you to do that. And we talked about how to find wisdom. He says wisdom flows from the mouth of God. So the way to find wisdom is look for the principles in this book to live by. Go with this book and you will be at peace. I don't have trouble discussing with people about different controversial things. Because I'm not going to get controversial with you. I will stay with the scriptures. I just put the scriptures to you. If you don't accept it, that's your, that's your thing. That's fine. But this is the book I live by. And I'm not going to accept anything else. This is true wisdom. You search for this book. I mean, how many of us actually spend time educating ourselves? Well, I did educate myself to be a doctor, you know. <laughs> spend a lot of years doing all of that stuff. Spending a lot of time at night studying for something that is not going to really give you great fulfillment. And here we have the source of life. And many people don't even look at it. You're not looking for it. If you don't search for it, you won't find it. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock, the door will be open. But if you're not doing it, you'll never find. And because you're, you're not searching for it, you will miss it. You don't know what it is. You won't miss it. So you have to search for it. That's important. That's the first thing. The second thing is make room for mercy and truth in everything that you do. Make room for mercy and truth in everything that you do. The Bible puts it this way. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 3 and 4. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Don't let that go away from you. Stay with those. Bind them around your neck. In other words, you don't want to get rid of them. Bind them. It says, write them on the tablets of your heart. Let them be part of your, for, of your being. Be part of you. Your heart is really your spirit. That's who you really are. God is saying, I want to write them down there. So you never forget. Tie them to yourself. So everywhere you go, you're carrying with you mercy and truth. And it says, I'm fine. And so, when you do that, that's how you find favor and high esteem in the sight of God. Many people do whatever they can, do all kinds of things just to find favor in the sight of men. Where God is saying, you really want favor from God and men? <laughs> you don't have to worry about them. Just tie mercy and truth over yourself. Write it in your heart. It will work for you. You will find favor. Now, what does that mean? Sometimes, what I find, I talked about this last week, Christians either go all the way with mercy and mercy and forget truth. Just don't worry about it. It's okay. It's not okay. 
tell the truth. This thing that's you, this going on in your life, it's not okay. It's going to destroy you if you continue. Please. But if they're trying to change, they already know the truth. They are trying to change their lives and they're working on it. I don't need to give them truth at that time. I need to give them mercy. They already know truth. They're trying to transform their lives. They need God and they need help. They don't need anything anymore. I don't need to beat them over the head with scriptures anymore. I like to do that sometimes, but no, you don't do that <laughs> at this time. You give them mercy. And no quoting scriptures at them anymore. They need mercy. They need encouragement. They need God is going to help you. Don't worry about it. Just continue. Your heart is right. Your heart is contrite. God will not forsake you. He loves you. He's going to take care of you. But when they say it doesn't matter, God understands. No. Then you begin to give them truth. So you just don't say on the side of mercy and forget truth. The Bible says mercy and truth, they've kissed. And there is no redemption without mercy and truth meeting together. Jesus died for us. But the truth is he still has to, I mean, he loved us. He gave his life for us. He'll forgive us. But he still has to die on the cross to give you the forgiveness. You just don't say, well, I'm God, I forgive him. That's mercy. But what about the truth? Somebody's got to pay for it. So we got to put those two together. So in everything that you do, you're looking out for mercy and truth. If that's your thing. And I remember when God was calling me to this work, he was telling me very, so many times, be very gentle with my people. Very jealous of that. Be very gentle with my people. And then I, that's always in my head when I'm dealing with people. I, you know, it's easy to be hard. But you're trying to be gentle until it's too much. I know I need to be hard. I need to be on the side of truth. I got to come out really hard. But once I see there is a turn, there is no need for that anymore. You have to do both. You know, and if God knows your heart, nobody's going to tell you. You know what's in your heart. But if that's taking place in your life, guess what? You have found favor in God's sight. You know what favor does from God? He gives you everything. Favor is God will do things for you that you cannot do for yourself. That's favor. He just bring people into your life just to bless you. Because you'll find favor in his sight. Mary found favor in the sight of God. She was highly favored. God blessed the world through her son. Hannah was favored of God. When you have favor in your life, unusual things happen. Things that you can, words cannot truly really speak. You, man cannot understand. The great miracle that took place in Mary's life because she found favor in the sight of God. But God says, you want to find favor with me? Then marry mercy and truth in your life. In everything that you do. Everything. When you forsake mercy, you forsake life. When you forsake truth, you forsake life. You marry them both, you have peace on this earth. You will. And you don't have to fear people because you will find favor in their sight. Amen? They may talk bad about you for a while, but they turn around. <laughs> Amen? They will begin to see your heart because God is going to reveal that. So that's the second thing. thing. You know, mercy, make room for those 
those two things are very important. And search, when you leave tonight, search scriptures, mercy and truth. You'll be amazed what you find. That will tell you that God, this thing is really important to God. Just type mercy and truth. we got computers now. Okay. <laughs> I don't read my Bible very much here. I read from a computer. Hey, stop laughing. <laughs> I read from my computer. Do you know what I mean? I, it's easier for me to turn the pages in the computer than it is to turn this one. So I stay with <laughs> If that's not holy for you, that's your problem. <laughs> I like my holy computer that way. <laughs> Amen. But search for mercy and truth. You will find a lot. And it will really minister to you. And begin to let that word minister to your heart so you can deal with people in that regard. Let it be part of your life and you'll see what God will do. Amen? Amen. Third thing is have an absolute trust in God. Have an absolute trust in God. This is so important. It's just basic. Regardless of what you're going through, always remind yourself, there is a God. That's all I do. There is a God. I know God is. And if I'm half doubt, I just look up into the sky. You understand? I see the, the stars and everything. He is big. He is there. Then I remind myself, I am his child. He knows what's going on inside my life. He knows what I'm going through. I won't have to worry about it. In fact, Jesus says, take no thought. Don't worry about anything. Because your father in heaven, he knows what's going on. He knows you need. But sometimes we don't feel that way. We feel like we need to do something uh, to make God. We don't have to. He already knows. So trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Notice the thing is trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's not saying with all your mind here. Because your mind will play games with you. Sometimes it feels good. Sometimes it doesn't feel good. And sometimes you hear something from somebody that makes you feel bad. Whereas you were just feeling good. You were just beginning to feel good. Now you hear another thing that makes you feel bad. Or something comes in the mail that makes you feel bad. So your mind is going to play games with you. And you'll start wondering, is God? That's just your mind. Forget about that. In your mind you'll go back and forth. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's the important thing. God didn't say your head. Just your heart. So basically you remind yourself from time to time, even without quoting scriptures, I know God is. That's enough for me. And when you do that, you honor him. And when you honor God, he honor you. That's just the way he is. He will honor you when you honor him in everything. Just taking a little time to talk to him when there's something difficult in your life, that's honoring God. What you're saying is, I'm not going to trust in what I know. I'm going to talk to you about this matter. I'm trusting you to help me. You please him when you do that. Especially when you're looking to him for help. He knows you're trusting him. That means you trust his, in his goodness. 
Satan is maligning God and saying, God, everything that happens bad, why did God allow this? <laughs> but you're not doing that. You're saying, God, I know you can help me. I know you will help me. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. Don't begin to try to analyze the problem. Do what you can and leave the rest for God. And trust that he'll take care of you. He will. Jesus said, your father takes care of the grass. You're more than grass. He takes, takes care of birds. And no one will fall to the ground without him seeing it. And you know just a bird, you are a living soul. More so after you have been born again, you have his nature. How could he forget you? You are a different breed in the world. You are different from the rest of them. You are a child of God. He cannot forget you. So what we need to do is trust Him. Why is God saying to trust Him? Because there will be circumstances in your life, in your life and in my life, that will want to distract, distract us from what we know. And those voices are loud sometimes. That's why sometimes I come into a place where I can yell. And drown those voices in my head. Amen. I come in here and I start yelling. Hopefully nobody comes around and says, Pastor has lost his mind. He's screaming. <laughs> Sanctuary. But I, I, I shout louder than what I'm hearing. And I tell the Lord. You tell the Lord. I trust you more than what's going on out here. You are bigger than my problem. And I brag on him. You brag on him. In his presence. I'm telling you. By the time you do that for five minutes. You'll feel good. Even though you still have the problem, you'll feel good. So don't lean on your understanding. Don't try to analyze it. Trust God. Give it over to the Lord. That's what he's saying. In everything, in everything that you're doing, for your children, for their education, for your life, your finances, your meat, everything. You're saying, God, I trust you. I trust you. Without you, I'm doomed. Just you. God, I trust you. And it needs to come out of your mouth. It's very important. Sometimes you need to see it so you hear yourself saying it. Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. I think it's even better when you're speaking it and hearing it at the same time. Amen. Amen. It goes deep into your spirit. And then you are strengthened by the word of God. And then fear leaves you. Because you are trusting in the Lord with all of your heart. Sometimes, you know, in life we believe that we have to do something. To, to, you know, remedy the situation. Do everything that we can. If it's finances, we want to do a whole lot. We dream, we put all of it. And those things are good. But commit everything to the Lord. Commit everything to the Lord. Don't, I know it's hard to say, but when it comes from the scripture, you need to pay attention to it. Trust God. Look at what this scripture says. It's a funny scripture. Proverbs chapter 23 verse 4. Pretty good. Do not overwork to be rich. Because of your own understanding. He says, cease. Stop it. You know, here, you know, some people have three, four, five jobs. They can't be in church. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So busy trying to make it. Pastor, God understands. I got to work. I can't pay my bills. I need the second job. I need the third one. It's good to work, but you can't overwork. Not with this scripture here. 
The reason is you've analyzed the problem, your problem and you're trying to solve it. It's not that God doesn't want you to walk, but he says don't overwalk. This is, this is not good luck. This is scripture. You understand what I'm saying? That's scripture. Don't overwork. He says cease from doing that. Basically what you need to do is trust God with all your heart and begin to sow into God's kingdom. Man, if God is true, something is going to open up. Begin to sow into God's kingdom. You know, it's a, a, a curious scripture in the New Testament. It says to a person who is a thief, he said, please don't steal anymore. Go find yourself a job which is good so that you can have to give. Think about it. Now, what you want to say, don't, don't, why don't you find a job so you won't be a thief anymore so that you can earn a living by, you, by working? That's not what God says. He says, go and find a job, work, so that when you earn, you earn, you can have to give. That doesn't make sense, but that's the way God works. Because your giving is what's going to bring your harvest. Not your job. Your job is your source of seed. It's the giving that's going to bring you the great harvest. Because then men will give to your bosom. How does that work? People will begin to bring ideas for you that will make you rich. Amen. And God can give you the same ideas. So you don't strive. And I believe this since, you know, with all your heart, everybody with his own, there's patience involved, will come into that. So trust God with all of your heart. And then the next thing is be good to all men. You just have to make up your mind, I'm going to be this way. I tell you what, the day you make up your mind that you are going to be good to all men, a guy is going to show up the next <laughs> Some guy is going to show up the next day or something's going to happen that is going to make you know, I, I, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I remember once uh, when I was newly saved. Hey, quit laughing. And I was being persecuted. Seriously. I was handling it pretty good. I was... I was being persecuted for righteousness sake. You know, I was enjoying it. And they were saying all kinds of bad things about me. His nuts and all of that. But my family at home, that was a different thing. And uh, they were giving me a whole lot of trouble. And I have a brother, you know, he was real. He's a little guy. And uh, we, you know, as kids, we used to fight. But um, this day... He was threatening me. He couldn't do something like that before I got saved. I'll kill him. <laughs> they had irritated me so badly this day. He, had threatened, he was threatening me right in my face, telling me, I'm going to. So I told the Lord in my heart, please, let me let go of my salvation for just a few hours. <laughs> I will repent later. I'll, t- I'll take care of this problem right now. And that was really serious. I told the fellow, I said, if you just b- brush, you'll be very sorry. And I really meant it. I told God in my heart, let me become an unbeliever for a few minutes. 
and take care of this fellow. He looked at me and he knew I wasn't, I wasn't kidding, that I had lost this salvation thing was away from me for that moment. <laughs> it was good to be good to him at that time. He said, didn't I say you have a problem? And walked away from me. Oh, I felt bad. Then I went back and repented and asked God to forgive me because I was about to kill somebody that night. So you want to be good, trouble comes. But this is a good thing to do. And he'll bring a lot of blessings into your life. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, it says, And let us not grow weary while doing good. What does that say? Good, doing good is part of your life as a Christian. Don't grow weary while doing good, for in due season you shall reap. Good, being good will bring good things to your life. That's what he's saying. If you grow weary in doing good, you lose your harvest. Do good at all times to all men. So he says, don't, do, don't go, grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Don't give up because you're not having the harvest. I'm going to just quit. He says, therefore, because of this, as we have opportunity, because God is going to give you opportunity to do good, and he's coming from him, he's doing it. He's giving you the opportunity to see if you will act on it. And if you act on it, he's going to bless you. If you go away from it, he's not going to bless you. So as we have opportunity, let us do good to what? All men. That's what he's saying. It's an opportunity for your harvest. God will give you a harvest. You will reap when you do good. So we must do good to all men. Let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. When you do that, that's when the blessings start coming into your life. And sometimes, I read the scripture last week. The important thing I read from Isaiah chapter 66, and where God says, I, I made all these things. No big deal. I, I made them. You can't give them to me. That's not a big deal for me. He says, what is really a big deal for me? The people that I really set my eyes on for favor are those people who have a contrite heart. They have a willing heart. And those who tremble at my word. Basically, it's not like I heard the word of God and I'm shaking. No, you hear it and say, I'm going to do that. God said it for no reason. Just because he said it, I'm going to go do it. When you, if you have an attitude, that kind of attitude, basically, once you share it and you understand it, okay, I take that, that's part of my life. God says, for those kind of people, I will always, I will always have my eyes over them. To protect them, to help them, to bless them. God will. It's so important. Doing good to everyone. Hebrews 13, verse 16, it says, But do not forget to do good. Don't forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. When you do good, God is pleased. Sometimes 
we don't know how to take care of people, entertain people. But there's a scripture there that says we should even entertain strangers. We have a lady in our church right now that's in a ministry where she goes to the street, gives them socks and bless them. These are strangers. And you're doing good. She's been, she's just doing good to them because of her Lord. Lord, our love for our God. But the Bible says in the Old Testament, some people had that kind of heart. They entertained entertain strangers, I mean, uh, angels unawares. They didn't know they were really blessing angels. And I think he's talking about Abraham. He was talking about Abraham. But it wasn't just angels. Jesus was among them. And he took care of them. You don't know what God will do. But you have to decide in your heart you want to do good. Now I tell you what. If God sends you an angel for you to, to take care of in one form or the other, you won't know that you're dealing. It's really for your blessing and for your good. When it's over, your life will be transformed. Your life will change. So, but you have to make up your mind to do good. And this is so important. The Bible talks about Rehoboam. You know who Rehoboam is? Rehoboam is the son of Solomon. Now, Rehoboam, the Bible says he did that which was evil in the sight of God. You know why? He says because he did not prepare his heart to follow, to seek God. He wasn't ready. He just let everything to chance. So if he comes, I'll, I'll make my decision then. He doesn't work like that. Because Satan is going to come in. You make up your mind today, this is what I'm going to do, and stay with it. That's the way it works with God. If you don't make up your mind to do it, Satan will tell you what to do when that time comes. That's just the way it works. You make up your mind, I'm not going to engage my life in this stuff. No. That's a no-no. There is a time... To, to look for a spouse. You find one, it's over. You make up your mind, this is it. You prepare your heart for that. No matter what happens, this is it. I'm not going anywhere. So that regardless of what the devil does along the way, David said, my heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. That's why he was successful. Rehoboam, he didn't say, my heart is fixed, my heart is fixed. He did what was evil. So why am I saying this? Make up your mind tonight. I'm going to do good to all men. I'm going to do this. Whether it's painful or not, that's my reasonable service to my God. And if you continue in that and you are not weary in doing that, you will have a harvest. Not when you get to heaven, right here. You will have a harvest by and by. Amen? Amen. Now, the fifth thing is honor God with your giving. Honor God with your giving. I have no problems at all encouraging people to give. I give. Because I believe in this very strongly. I believe in it. If you don't give, you're not honoring God. Not according to the scripture. When you start arguing in your heart whether to give or not, you're already dishonoring him. He knows it. It's amazing. You see people who are struggling financially, and you talk to them about 
the fact that they should give, they will start telling you, I can't afford. And they make all kinds of arguments. Basically, you can as well sit before Jesus and tell him why you couldn't do what he's telling you to do. That's what's going on. I was in Nigeria once and I was ministering. Sometimes, I, you know, it's really cool when you go there because if you have a uh, uh, $100, that's about 10,000 naira. So I immediately get rich <laughs> when I get there. And if I have a thousand, boy, I'm looted. I have about a hundred thousand naira plus. And as I minister to the people, they will come, they're poor. And they will say, I've been struggling. I, I can't make hands meet. And I say, do you pay your tithe? I cannot afford to give. And I say, but you've been eating until this time. He say, yes, yes. It's just the little money that people give, give to me. That's what I used to eat. So how can I afford? I say, well, that's been your problem. That's why things are like this for you. You haven't learned this principle of giving and honoring God. That's why you're suffering. And in, in one of those churches, there was with a young man for two years. He had been looking for a job. Now, in Nigeria, if you have an old job, you'll be doing better than a professor. Tina, you know that, right? If you work in the oil industry in Nigeria... That's petroleum. You will be doing much better than a professor. And sometimes much better than doctors. Over there. He walked up to me, young man, he sat down, he said, for two years I've struggled. I can't find a job. I said, really? He said, I said, have you been paying your tithe? He, he said, no, sir, I cannot afford it. I said, but you don't look like you're hungry. You've been... You've been eating. You look good. So you must have been giving some money. He says, yes, money that little here and there, people, what people give to me. I said, well, why didn't you pay your tax? I can't afford it. I said, well, that's your problem. And I'm not going to pray for you because it's not going to work. I said, you need, to make, uh, you need to make a commitment today. And let me see that you're making this commitment from the heart. And God will give you a job immediately. Very quickly you have a job. And uh, he said, yes, sir. And I could tell he was very sincere. You know, sometimes I'll put my hand in my pocket and I'll take a few hundred naira from my pocket and I'll give to them, just to teach them. I said, how much do you have to give to God tonight when you come to service? Bring the money back, the tithe to me, okay? I'm giving it to you. Come back and give me the tenth. No, kidding. And... and uh, They'll tell me it's so, so much. You know, I say, okay, come back in the evening and give that. I, I, then the rest of it you can eat with. Thank you, sir. They, don't, they are not expecting anything from a preacher, okay? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. But this young man, it was, it was uh, an unusual situation. He was so receptive. And after I prayed with him, I let him go. And then I was praying with other people. And then all of a sudden, maybe after about an hour, he showed up. And he was walking like he was drunk. Just walking like that. In. And I recognized him and I said, this young man really has problems. <laughs> what is he back doing? What's, what's up? I was distracted because I was praying with a woman. I was dealing with a demon. And then he walked in and I kept thinking, what is he here for? And I'm still praying with the woman. And I, can, I couldn't wait for the demon to leave so that I can find out what his problem was. So, demon, quick, leave! I got to talk to this young man. Quickly! Please! 
That's when you really yell. Because they said demons are hard of hearing. But anyway. <laughs> but anyway, uh, when I got through with the woman, I said, Okay, come, young man, what's the matter? He said, Sir, you won't believe. I got back home and everybody was cussing me out. They said, What's wrong with you? Of all days you decide to go to church? You know, he said, somebody, the manager of an oil company had sent somebody to look for you. They want to give you a job. They brought their vehicle to take you to a job and you went to church? You're nuts! You missed your day. What's wrong with you? And so they, have a, they had a job and he understood that this was, these things were connected. So instead of going, instead of running after them, he came to me and told me, you won't believe what happened. God's given me a job in the oil industry. I thanked God for him. I said, okay, go after the manager now. When he came back in the evening, he already had his job. You needed to have seen that man worship God that evening. He was truly worshiping, okay? He was worshiping God. God was true to him. Amen? So we need to give. Let me read these scriptures. If, uh, Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions. So you honor God when you give him your possession. You honor God. God says, if you honor me, I'll honor you. And you do it out of a good heart. If you're saying, yeah, God, take. He knows this is no honor, you know. Pastor says to give, so I'm going to give. If I don't give, they'll say I'm not giving. God is not going to get it from you. You honor God with your possession and with the first fruit of all your increase. Your first fruit, first fruit is your tithe of all your increase. It's your seed that God is giving to you to sow. That's your seed. If you have a whole bunch of corn and you eat everything, you have nothing to sow. So some people, when they eat, they eat their tithe, they actually eat their seed. That what they're supposed to sow. And then in the day, days of harvest, they are looking for a harvest and they didn't sow anything. It just doesn't work. You miss the natural law and you, the, super, the spirit, spiritual law, you missed it there as well. You're not going to get a harvest. In the natural, if you didn't sow, you can't expect a harvest. You can pray. If you didn't uh, plant corn, you can kneel in the field and pray to... The next day, you still will not get corn. Is that right? You're not going to get corn because you, you didn't sow anything. But if you planted corn, you can actually pray, God, please send rain. I planted corn. And you can expect some, even if it's bad. It's the same way if you haven't sown anything, God has nothing. You give him no bread to multiply. Why are you expecting multiplied bread? You give him nothing to work with. So you give him something to work with. And when you do that, you're honoring him. Honor God with the first fruit of your increase, so your bonds will be filled with plenty. You want your bonds filled with plenty? That's the way to go. I need to read this scripture here. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, please put it up. Verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower. You see, God is the one that gives seed to the sower. That's the first fruit. 
God gives you seed. So if you, if you're having a hard time, you find your job, you now he's supplying you seed, he made that job available, then focus on giving to the kingdom of God. Don't focus on the preacher, you're not giving the money to the preacher. If you give your money to the preacher, then go back to him to give you back the increase. But you give it to God and expect the increase from God. What they want to do with it is their business. You didn't give it to them. You're giving it to God. So expect your increase from God. God who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So not only will God multiply the seed you have sown, he will also increase the fruit of your righteousness. You didn't know righteousness has fruit. It has fruit. Fruit means goodness upon your life. That's fruit of righteousness. Goodness. Just speak things, good things just keep happening to you. It will increase the fruit of your righteousness. Verse, verse uh, 11 says, While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Now, let me read that in your New Century Version for you. It says, He will make you rich. That's verse 11. God, this is no, these are not my words, when he gives you seed to sow, and you actually sowed the seed, he says, he will make you rich in every way, so that you can always give freely. How many times you want to give, but you can't give, you can't give freely because you don't really have much. But when you sow the seed that God has given to you to sow, God who supplies seed to the sower, this is how to be successful. Seven principles to be successful. When you sow that seed, God will multiply the seed sown, and then afterwards, He will make you rich. You define rich. I didn't say it, God said it. If you want to argue with it, then argue with him. And if you don't like it, tear it out of your Bible. Tear that page off. So you won't have to read that anymore. And by the time you've done everything that you don't want to hear, you will have cover and cover together. (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) He will make you rich in every way. Not only will your children be doing well, your business will be doing well, your ministry will be doing well, everything you place your hand to do will prosper. That's what he's saying. The fruit of your righteousness. He will make you rich in every way so that you can always give freely. And your giving through us will cause many to give thanks to God. As you give to us, we're going out, we minister to people, and then they're saved, they're thanking God, not only us, but they're thanking God for bringing these men to share the gospel with us. And because you give, they went, and now people are giving thanks and staying with God. Whew, I like to do that. We're planting a church in Nigeria now. Do you want to give to that? A lot of souls will be saved, and a lot of people will be thanking God. Your giving will be eternal. You gave just money. Now you got souls with God forever and ever. That's an amazing thing. I like to put money in there. But you see, God doesn't forget what you give. He multiplies it and bring it back to you. I need to go further in one more scripture here. In uh, Second Corinthians, the same chapter, verse 9, uh, chapter 9, verse 6 and 8. It says, But this I say, he who sows, that is, if you are going to give, 
he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. In other words, if you think, well, like I, I joke with them in Nigeria, because of their giving, they always give in cash in Nigeria. And when they give 10000 is something. most of the time, things may have changed and I may not be accurate, but most of the time they come with their cash in their hands. You know, a large amount of bills in your hand and they put it there. And I tell the ones that are really hurting, they come with their cash in their pocket. They have uh, 50, they have 100, they have 20, and um, some 10. And I tell them that this is what, what, what you do when you go to church. And God is watching. You, you put all the, the uh, $10 and uh, 20, 20 naira in one pocket. And you put the 1,000 naira and the 100 naira, 200 naira, 500 naira in one pocket. And you go to church. And you are worshiping God. You are so excited. Praise the Lord. You are worshiping God. It's offering time. You are so excited. And you forgotten the pocket uh, that you place all the tens and the twenty. Uh, and then when it's offering time, you reach in to bring your ten dollars. And you reach in and it's a thousand naira. He reaches in, it's a thousand naira. He looks at thousand naira. No preacher is worth a thousand naira. He puts it right back and he reaches out for that ten thousand. <laughs> yes. And then he starts dancing again. Glory to God. And, and God is watching. Say, look at him. He, he wouldn't do it. You know, God sees everything. And then I tell them, that's why you're having a hard time. Those who are happy to give to the Lord, they have been blessed and they enjoy it. You are picking stuff with God and making sure that the money, the money that nobody wants, the one that has been through many hands and is looking really bad, that's what, what the preacher deserves. <laughs> Take it to the preacher. God sees all of it. So we sow with everything that we have. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap. And these are spiritual laws. If you do it, you reap. Otherwise, it seems like God didn't tell us the truth, but God cannot lie. This is the truth. If we do it, we will reap. If we don't faint. So let us, let each one give as as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, For God loves a cheerful giver. Oh, I have to do this. God says, don't give when you feel like you have to give. You don't, don't hold it back. And I'll really tell you for our church, don't, don't do it because you're not getting anything for it. It's better if you keep it. That's pastor saying, don't give it. If you feel you have to give it because you just give it away. I'll use it and you're not getting anything back because God wants you to be cheerful when you give. And in verse 8 says, God says he loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always have in all sufficiency, in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Let me read that again in New Century Version. And you can check this in New Century Version. And God can give you, that's verse 8, more blessings than you need. God can. When you give, cheerfully, bountifully, God can give you 
more blessings than you need. Then you will always have plenty of everything. Abraham did plenty of everything. And Abraham told those, uh, the, those kings from Sodom and Gomorrah, they wanted to give him. He said, I don't need your stuff. I don't want you to say you made Abraham rich. But when Melchizedek came, he gave him tithe. He knew where to get his blessings. I don't need your stuff. I don't need you saying you were the one that, see Abraham is so rich, we made him rich. I don't need your stuff. Keep your stuff. Go with the people that I, I just helped you, you can go. I've done good to you, go with that, it's fine. But I'm going to get my, good, my blessings from Melchizedek. That's Jesus Christ. So he gave him tithe. And Melchizedek gave him wine and bread. That's, that is actually your communion. Amen? They had that in those days. And Abraham was so rich. The Bible said he had donkeys. You know what that means? He had donkeys and he had servants. That's employees. Donkeys, that's your Mercedes-Benz. Camels, that's your, your Rolls Royce. Amen. It was something else to have a camel in those days. So when they are listing his riches and you see donkeys and camels, they are not kidding. To have a few camels, that's having a few Rolls Royce in your yard. Packed out in your yard. <laughs> Stand up with me tonight, okay? Amen. I pray that uh, you not, you, you've not just heard words. But you've heard things that you want to use for your life. And when people discourage you from doing good, don't quit. Okay? When people have been bad to you, it hurts. Pull yourself back, get yourself together, go back to doing good to them. Jesus was very clear. Do good to those who despitefully use you. Pray for them. Bless them. In that way, you will be a child of your heavenly father. And if you are a child of your father, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's what the Bible says. Amen. So I want us to continue to do these things, apply these principles in our lives. The word of God, this book of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth. We must do everything that's written in there. And we will make our way prosperous. We will have good success. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight. Thank you for your word. Your word says the word will not return to you void. You have honored your word above all your name. And your word gives us light and it gives us life. We will live by your word tonight. Help us to live by your word. We are willing. We will be obedient. And because we are that way, we know we are blessed. Jesus, you are in our life. And we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming again. Our special guest, please thank